Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. In this special off-season edition, host George Templeton reviews what's been happening since the last time the Rams hit the court. And now, here's George. Welcome to a special edition of Rams Rewind, sponsored by our good friends, Lady Nolans. We thank them for sponsoring us during the season. The transfer portal is now busy, as is often the case when we get to when we get to the end of the regular season and the end of the conference tournaments, and we're only down to the NCAA tournament. Uh, players start entering the transfer portal, and then, of course, it really picks up when teams start getting eliminated from the conference tournament. And the transfer portal, as ever, is busy. I think it's just about a thousand players are in it now. It might even be more than that at this point. And VCU's had three of them, so we're going to talk about them, and we're going to talk about them in the context of the roster for next year and how that could affect things. Uh, the three players, and, and you probably have all heard of this by now, they are Mikael Brown-Jones, Marcus Sahonis, and Jimmy Nichols Jr. So let's just take them all individually. Marcus Sahonis, who was a transfer himself from Washington, you know, had a kind of uneven start, but the game against Syracuse, he made three threes. I think they were all in the second half. He had 12 points. That was part of a huge second-half run that VCU got on to win that game and was one of their most important wins of the year in the sense that it got them in the winner's bracket in the Bahamas where they got to play Baylor and Connecticut, and they played very, and they played very well in both games, and that helped them. Uh, his high for the year in terms of points – was the 17 points he had against LaSalle when he was just unconscious from three. He made five out of six from three, and he made them all pretty much in a very short span of time. And that was uh, that was part of a good run. He had three consecutive games with double-digit scoring. Uh, LaSalle, George Washington, he had 10 there, and he actually had 14 at St. Bonaventure in that game where uh, everything kind of fell apart in the second half. And what's interesting is, except for uh, the game at Davidson – Marcus Sahonis got at least 10 minutes in every game up to the Rhode Island game where he got 23, which was one of the highest amounts of time he played in a game this year. But down the stretch, as Jaden Nunn continued to uh, uh, grow and develop, uh, his minutes were dramatically cut. You know, the final seven games of the season, he only got above double digits in, in minutes three times. He got 17 minutes against Richmond. Uh, in, in a win there at home. He got 18 minutes and scored on 12 points at, Mass- at Massachusetts. And then in the uh, tournament game, in the A-10 tournament game, he only got 11 minutes. And in the two NIT games, he only got four minutes and two minutes. So, you know, his time was cut, and I guess he felt that the writing was on the wall in that regard. Understandable. I mean, Jaden Nunn's time went up. Uh, I'm a little disappointed because, again, I'm more, you know, you're always worried about depth. Uh, at that spot, when you look at the when you look at the roster as it as it as it constructed now, excuse me, you've essentially got Jaden Nunn there, even though he's listed on, on verbal commits verbalcommits.com's website as a point guard. But you have you have Josh Banks, who you know again kind of an uneven start to his VCU career. You've got Jaron McAllister, who's coming off an who's coming off an Achilles injury, and you have. Uh, the uh, one of the new signings that a lot of people are excited about, Alfonso Billups uh, from Verona High School, who's coming in, and that and they've got, of course, they've got offers on other two guards. They'll be looking at the transfer portal. There's a lot of talk about VCU getting guard in there, so we'll see. 
And of course, you know, you've got players who can play at that two spot, Nick Kern, Jameer Watkins coming back as well. Uh, so you've, you've got some flexibility there, but that's, you know, that's in, in the sense of just a pure off guard, they are a little lean there now because of that. Um, I'm not sure why that, I mean, other than the Jaden Nunn's continuing to develop as a, as a two guard, I, I thought it was a little strange that Marcus Sahonis didn't get the kind of time, uh, that he was getting early in the season, but that's just the nature of this business now. And that's the nature of college basketball and, we wish him luck uh, in his next endeavor. The next one is Jimmy Nichols Jr. Came from Providence. You know, I you know you thought was going to help them in the front court, and he just never really got much many chances. He had like one. There was one. There was a couple games where he was all right, where I thought he got in there and did okay. But again, only played eight games this year. Never played more than ten minutes. Had a few moments and a few flashes but just didn't, didn't get that opportunity coming from Providence. Again, another person that transferred. So it, it, that's a tough one. You know, he just he just never really got that opportunity. And I think there were certain games where he would have at least merited thrown in there because nobody else was playing well and we had foul trouble. And, you know, that the front court's going to be a real focus here because I think that, you know, that's where if VCU needs to strengthen anywhere, that might be where they need the most help. Because, you know, not only do they lose Jimmy Nichols Jr., which, again, not a very big loss because, he, again, he only played eight games. They lose Mikael Brown-Jones. Now, Mikael Brown-Jones, it was it was an up-and-down season, let's be honest. Uh, there were struggles early in the season. There were games where I was frustrated with how much time he was getting, but he did turn it around. And you look, you know, you look at, this, you look at the, the run of games he had, especially in conference play, the Dayton game at home. Uh, you know, he was one of the few players that actually played pretty well. He had 10 points in that game, his four or five of shooting. You know, the, the game at Davidson, he had the big block uh, to, to help win that to help win that game at, at the end. He had a huge game against Richmond where he got, you know, all those points in just 11 minutes, and he had a really good run of run in the team there. You know, Richmond, he got 11 minutes, and he got 11 points – or excuse me, he got 15 points – uh, he, you know, he, he got 11 points at, uh, excuse me, he got 15 points at Mason. He got 11 points at Richmond, you know, Massachusetts, he played 16 minutes, St. Bonaventure, he played 12 minutes. And, you know, it looked like to me that he was really starting to cement his place. You know, he was rebounding the ball. Well, he had some night, you know, he had some good games rebounding. And I think it was fair to say, okay, this guy's really coming into his own here. And then inexplicably, Final four games of the season, and again, his playing time was up and down. You know, he had he had he had a stretch where he was playing early in the season, where he was consistently getting double digit minutes, and even got twenty minutes against Connecticut in in at the uh, at the Bahamas tournament. And then he had you know one game with eight minutes, and then he had four more games in a row where he got double digit minutes. And then he didn't hardly play. You know, Davidson, St. Joe's. At Davidson, even though he had the big block in the end, and at Richmond, he only got four minutes there, and then he started to get a lot of time again. But then the final four games of the season, and I, and I'll be honest, I think this is the big reason he's transferring. You know, he only got six minutes against St. Louis in a game where VCU was not playing well and needed to try a lot of stuff before they made the big comeback in the second half. He only got nine minutes against uh, Richmond, had very little impact. You know, five minutes against Princeton, seven minutes against Wake Forest. Uh, and in you know in those four games, VCU tended to struggle rebounding. And Mikael Brown Jones, 
by the end of the year for me was somebody that was playing well and was somebody that, that had an opportunity to really contribute uh, going forward with, with this, uh, with this team. And it, and unfortunately, unfortunately uh, he sees his future somewhere else. And, and, you know, the front court is where it's interesting because right now we're not sure about Vince Williams coming back at small forward. You've got Nick Kern, who again is somebody I think could 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 take a big step forward next year. Jameer Watkins is coming off a major injury, much like Jaron McAllister. You know that's so you're kind of a little thin at small forward. At power, you know, at power forward, they list Hassan Ward and Jalen Deloach as power forwards. Either one of them could be centers, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Jalen Deloach, to me, kind of profiles more as a center than a power forward, in my view. And then you have Christian Fermin coming in who will definitely, you know, we're going to spend some time on him in a later podcast, him and Billups both. Plus, again, they have a lot of offers out. And I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about guard and that they need help at guard, and they do. You know, they need, they're going to need some depth behind Ace Baldwin at the point guard spot. You know, whether they're, whether they're going to try to work with none so that he's a little better at that because he was, you know, he was okay at the start of the season, but it was a struggle and then really didn't play much backup point guard at all. You know, are they going to look there? But, I, I mean, this front court is is a real question mark because, okay, you do have you, – you're likely going to have a Ward and Deloach, and, and I would think young, young Christian Fermin is going to get serious time maybe even right away. But, look, the way VC – we talk about the way VCU plays, especially plays defense, they foul a lot. And so you need that depth. You need to be able to go to your third and fourth guy because your first two or three guys could be in foul trouble. And I think that that's where it's going to that's where it's going to be interesting to see is how many of these people that according to verbalcommits.com that they've got offers on for this coming season, that's 2022-23, not never mind next season, how many are they going to get in here? Are they going to be able to get a little more help for for say point guard and maybe even shooting guard? Uh, and are they going to get some help for the front court as well? And of course, you know they've done very well in the transfer portal. Had guys come in and do, had had guys come in and been very successful, as I was talking about with somebody else on another podcast. But of course, you know the transfers that they had come in this time uh, didn't. You know, let's be honest, they didn't do as well. I mean, Sahonis had some moments. Uh, Nichols Jr. had a moment or two. Uh, Levi Stockard had a lot of good moments, but again, like like Brown Jones at the end of the season, didn't get a lot of time. So at least you know where previous coaching staffs have been able to really mine mine the transfers and, and and really strike gold. You think about Jamie Skeen, you think about Isaac Van, uh, Corey Bilbury, uh, and there's probably a few other ones I'm forgetting that some of the folks out here who are listening in podcast land will remember. Uh, they've had some really good players come and make huge impacts. And this last round of transfers, you know, it was, it was not nearly as much. So that's going to be a big question for this coaching staff is can they really hit on, on these transfers or, you know, add to, add to this add to these two players that they've signed Billups and Fermin and supplement and supplement their, themselves in those, in those areas that way. So, this is this is the version of the silly season. We always talk about you know in different sports they talk about the silly season, which is the off season and 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 player movement and all this. And you know it's 
I, I think for some folks, I think it's unsettling how professionalized you know, college sports has become. The transfer portal is just like free agency. I, I think in the long run, it's probably going to be good for the game because it just it, it offers opportunities for teams that you know lose a coach and have a lot of players leave to f- try to find a way not to have everything totally collapse on them. And number two, look, you know, if you're just in a bad situation or you all of a sudden you fall out of favor with the coach, you know, that's you shouldn't be punished for that. You shouldn't be punished if a coach that that recruited you to play at a school then up sticks and leaves. You know, why should the player be punished for that? Coaches don't have to sit out a year. So, I, I mean, it, I, and it, it's, it's professionalizing the game in one sense and democratizing the game in another. And I think on balance, on balance, it's actually it actually is a good thing. You know, if we if we throw aside the fact that unfortunately the idea of the student athlete in big time college sports, not in all college sports, but in major revenue generating college sports, is kind of you know kind of gone gone by the wayside. And I don't like saying that, but it's the truth. So that is uh, that is it. I just wanted to do a quick pot on that uh, uh, and have that discussion. There are some there are going to be some interesting names uh, cropping up. Certainly in the A10, uh, you know, one of them that was already been mentioned as a potential as a potential uh, player that VCU would be looking at is Taylor Funk from St. Joe's, who's in the transfer portal. Uh, and I and I mean, when you look at his record and what he's done and, and his ability his ability to actually fill it up, uh, certainly VCU could use someone like that with an offense that that kind of struggled at the uh, at most of this season and at times especially with turnovers and that sort of thing. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, remember Lady Nollins, our good friends and sponsors of the podcast this year. They've done they've done right by us, and we like them and appreciate them very much. VCU Sports, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, get on in there. We've had a lot of transfer portal stuff in there already. And, of course, we'll keep our eye on all the other – we keep our eye on all the other teams at VCU and how they're doing and – that sort of thing, and it's just a fun place to conversate and talk talk about uh, what's going on with VCU and at times other teams too. We were we were really following St. Bonaventure and their their uh, exploits in the NIT, and uh, too bad that they couldn't uh, come all the way back last night and win that semifinal against Xavier. So thanks for listening, and expect uh, more off season content as we can get to it here on Rams Rewind. Thank you all for listening very much, and uh, have a good day, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.